is the Go Blue Crew. Welcome into the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick with Derek Devine. Derek, uh, my glasses are slipping off of my nose because I'm sweating. And not because I'm in an upstairs guest room where there's no air conditioning. I just got done running a mile. I got a 10K this weekend. And I asked you before I ran a half marathon what your advice was. So I ask you again, ahead of a 10K, what's your advice? Rice. Rice is and eat it? Rice as not Didn't we go over this? You don't remember what rice is? Oh! <laughs> Rest, ice, uh, celery, um, and eat. Uh, you are a little off. Uh, okay. Rest and ice were correct. I, so was, just, I was confident in those. For a race, you know, may, you could do a light jog the, the, the day before, morning before, but, you know, you might want to rest. Yeah. Ice spot on. Definitely make sure you're you're good to go. Uh, compression, if you've got any kind of, uh, you know, sleeve, you know, whatever it is. I don't. Uh, but, and then, okay. uh, you know, elevation. Elevation. Uh, That's the E. I was definitely. I was like, yeah. I have no idea what that E is. You gotta. You, you gotta elevate when when you uh, basically you raise it above your heart, and you know it's gonna gonna help you to heal up. Yeah, I mean it's more for for an injured injured man thought. or woman, but that's why still. my mind didn't go there because I'm not hurt. Yeah, I'm I, I still use the rice ready. method pre-race, uh, okay. but especially after the race because uh, you know. I, you're probably going to go all out. You're probably going to be hurting a little bit. So rice is your friend, no matter what the uh, stage of a, a race is. Pre-race, uh, post-race, you know, to take care of your body is, is, the, is the main point here. I'm going to tell everybody that I won my age division. I, I typically just lie and say that I won my age group. I'm 27. I mean, that's got to be like the most competitive age group out there. Right. Probably is you know a lot of a lot of people at their peak uh, when they're racing ten k five k at that that point. So what are you? Maybe a twenty four to thirty two age group? Because if so, you're yeah, it's going to be a tough age group to win. But I will. You will. No matter. And what. that will be the report in your solo show next week. <laughs> uh, after the run, so this is seven thirty in the morning. We got Michigan Iowa at noon, and I need you to tell me gut reaction. Am I going to finish running a 10K and feel sore and tired and then have to sweat through Michigan, Iowa at noon at Kinnick? So I think you're going to be sweating through a quarter. Um, unless it, Michigan's offense can, you know, show something earlier than it did. You know, let's just talk about that, I guess, in general. Yeah. When you get off to about the fastest start you can have in college football, uh, it's already going to be, you know, the most deflating thing to not score immediately on that that next drive, uh, and to have some of the play calling offensive woes that Michigan had, uh, you know, see JJ McCarthy's youth uh, for the first time because they actually played competition that was, you know, I think Maryland a pretty good team and, you know, uh, face some adversity. Can I? I, I need to add. That it, I don't think it was the first time seeing his youth. I think it was the first time seeing his youth bite him. Like he didn't get away with it. He's like a kid who did the thing that he normally gets away with, but this time, like one of the adults caught him. And he was, they were like, "Hey, knock that off!" I think that happened to him for the first time. 
Yeah, and I think he responded really well to that. You know, Sean Moore had him uh, kind of, you know, put his hands either on his helmet or his shoulder pads or both and just kind of reel him in a little bit after he had the essentially the two lost uh, fumbles. Uh, well, part of a drive where you saw him scramble like crazy for a first down. Um, you know, he missed on some deep balls, so that was uh, not concerning. You know, you just got to be able to hit on those. You know, you hit on one more of those. Uh, you're probably over 300 yards for the game, uh, and you might even, you know, might as well add a touchdown to that too, because he could he could have hit multiple guys: Roman Wilson, Andrew Anthony, I think Ronnie Bell another time. Uh, you know, you connect on one of those, um, I think that your stats, you know, look even better. But you know, if we're talking about a poor game, and he was uh, 69% completion rate, a couple of touchdowns, nice. over 200, yeah, nice, over 200 yards. I mean, that's not a terrible game. To have, but yeah, I think his youth was showing, and his youth uh, uh, definitely affected at least a drive. Uh, and you saw kind of a youthful mistake in uh, C.J. Stokes, uh, freshman running back with a lot of potential, kind of lose lose the football in a, in a pretty crucial situation. You know, we we texted about this. You saw Jake Moody, Money Moody, miss uh, a field goal, which seemed it was really all odd. Off. It, so it that, just felt when like that happened. I was like, oh my god, this may not actually work out. It felt like we were watching a team that hadn't played anybody. Uh, and so, you know, back to your original question, I think, yeah, I'd say the first quarter, I think Iowa's defense is really good. Uh, I don't think Iowa is better than they were last year, and Michigan handled business, you know, easily. You know, different team, obviously better defense, uh, but they handled business easily in the Big Ten Championship. Uh, it's not Kinnick at night. I think that's favorable. But, yeah, uh, you're not getting much of a recovery after a 10K uh, because anytime you play your first road game, sure to be some adversity, and surely uh, you're going to see maybe a couple of mistakes be made on either side of the ball. Uh, I, I think that Michigan can run away with this one. I just think they're, I think Maryland is better than Iowa. I guess I'll put it that way. This is obviously a tougher environment. It'd be J.J. McCarthy's first road game where he starts and gets, you know, the majority slash all of the snaps at quarterback. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think you'll hopefully by halftime be able to feel a sense of, I don't know, peace that things maybe look better or the game's a little less close than the the previous week, but Hey, to be determined, I guess. I'm going to counter that with this stat. And maybe you saw this on Twitter. That's where I saw it. But in Iowa's last six home games against AP top five opponents, we're going to go down the list. Number three, Penn State, Iowa won. Number five, Michigan State, Iowa won. Number two, Michigan, 2016, Iowa won. Here comes the only loss. Number four, Penn State, Iowa lost, 21-19. But that same year, they beat number three, Ohio State, 55-24, to and then last year beating number four Penn State. That's the last six games at home for Iowa against top five teams. They're five and one. And I know this is like a incredibly offensively challenged Iowa team. But the thing that's got me really nervous, and you mentioned it, the turnovers. Three fumbles. I applaud JJ McCarthy for picking his shots downfield. I think for the most part, he didn't force it. Maryland was doing a nice job of keeping everything underneath. But putting the ball on the ground was, you know, that immediately had me worried because Iowa will definitely force you to make those kinds of mistakes. 
And if you make Iowa for the duration of the game, March 70 yards, 75, 80 yards, you know, they're not going to be that successful. But if you're giving them a short field two, three times, you know, and you're struggling to score, I mean, that's that's just a recipe for disaster against this type of team in a really tough road environment. And that's what's got me worried. It's it's really just a matter, I think, of, of like play safe. Um, don't make mistakes. I almost like want to get into the play not to lose thing. <laughs> But I know we're not supposed to like think like that, but it's, it's just really, it's, it's coming down to turnovers for me. And that's the thing that's got me nervous. And so, like I said, I I think, you know, McCarthy did a good job of um, for the most part, not putting the ball in harm's way through the air, but this is a recurring problem for him of putting it on the ground. And if he's going to try to run around, scramble in the backfield and uh, run 75 yards to pick up four, like that's, eventually going to become a problem and so that's that's where i'm worried for this weekend i think the things that he showed specifically on that one drive and i think his ability to kind of clean it up i guess you could say after you know donovan edwards was talking to him uh i think uh andrew anthony came over ronnie bell sean moore like you know they're and that's just the people you saw on the you know fox sideline camera um i think he he definitely needed to be calmed down there for a second uh, but on that one drive, you know, the, the first, uh, fumble, you know, he had kind of said in the post game conference that, you know, he had too tight of a grip on the ball. Uh, I think even on that play where he scrambled and got the first down, you know, he didn't go out of bounds. He, he kind of cut back in to take a hit. Uh, and, and that's something, you know, to clean up that I, you know, that he's getting a talking to about. Cause he had the first, it wasn't yeah, he, like you, had you have a first down and I know that, you know, you're talking about a competitive guy who really truly believes he's as fast as anybody on an opposing team, especially if what they've clocked him at is anywhere near accurate, but you know, not every cut is worth it. You know, if he makes that cut and goes 20 more yards, you know, we, we're, celebrating a, a great uh a, an already <laughs> yeah. good play and it's even better uh i would guess because he ran about 150 yards before he picked up the first down the juice he had left to, to continue that play was probably limited just you know shift out of bounds and then um you know i think by contact or by rule he was down said he thought he was down on that other one but still you scrambled backwards 20 yards at that point so even if you are down and you don't fumble it uh you're still you know third and you know 42 whatever i mean that's an exaggeration but, <laughs> but not by really the, the situation was out of hand because he got himself in a position where he thought he could you know kind of scramble out he first turned the wrong way realized he turned the wrong way had to run kind of the opposite way and then kind of was just you know doing things that people do on madden or ncaa 14 uh you can't really get away with that against a you know a competent opponent uh and you're not going to get away with that uh very well against Iowa. I I would say if I had to guess JJ McCarthy uh, plays cleaner football, uh, I think he'll run a little bit more. Uh, I think he's going to have to, uh, because if Iowa can do something, I I think that they're going to be able to limit, eliminate maybe uh, the effectiveness of a Blake Corum. I think, you know, when you don't see Blake Corum go off for 240 yards and three touchdowns or two, whatever it was uh, not, not saying he can't do that this weekend, but he's you know likely to be, uh, kept a little bit more in check by an Iowa defense on the road. 
you're going to have to see J.J. McCarthy throw it. And there were a couple of possessions, and this is kind of where we could get into the play calling, where it was run, 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 fumble. Uh, and that <laughs> felt like a possession where it was like, you know, let him throw the rock or, or make a read. You know, maybe he made a couple of the wrong reads. Maybe they're limiting him. They don't want him to run a lot because you don't have a backup quarterback right now. You know, there's a lot that kind of goes into it. Uh, to me, it felt like a classic situation of we don't want to use a whole lot of stuff. We should be able to take care of business. And Maryland just could not be stopped on offense. Uh, and I think Michigan had to, you know, make some make some uh, changes as, as the game went on with their game plan because the defense was not, you know, holding Maryland from scoring even late into the game. They so, did just enough. I mean, just enough sort in that, you know, third, fourth quarter um, to allow themselves to build a lead. And then, man, you saw Maryland like two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, including one where that drive just felt like it was going on forever. And and I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, game's pretty much over. Like I'm just waiting for the turnover or the failed fourth down conversion, but they just kept making plays. And, you know, I think that's a little worrisome, maybe not this week against Iowa, but um you know, you're going to run into some offenses that even if they're not juggernauts, um, they're going to be able to take advantage of, of, you know, blown assignments or miscommunication and things like that. So I guess something to pay attention to. I think the biggest thing that can happen in Michigan's favor is getting Donovan Edwards back because Blake Corum, 30 carries, and you could see it. You could see it even in the first half, you know, just getting – maybe a little too heavy of a workload for, for still being, uh, you know, this being the fourth game of the season. I don't like that Blake Corm as the number one running back is getting 30 carries. I, I don't, I mean, save that for your, your bigger games where it's like, we've really got to lean on you. And I understand like you're missing uh, Donovan Edwards and then you've got tailbacks coming behind you return the ball over and you're not quite sure who you can trust behind Blake Corm. But if if Iowa's going to offer up as stiff of a challenge as uh, you know defensively as we've seen them do the rest of the season, um, they're going to need like a solid number two option. And maybe you're right. Maybe that is JJ McCarthy, who turns into much more of a runner, as, as sort of a compliment to Blake Corum to take some of the burden off of him. I don't know how it's going to work, but I know that if Michigan gets Donovan Edwards back, I'm breathing a sigh of relief because I think just watching that game against Maryland, it was very obvious. Like that's what was missing. And had they had that, you know, 34 points, not bad, but you know, maybe some of those drives or some of those other drives are turning into points. Maybe you're not turning the ball over and and stuff like that. So I'd, I'd love to see him come back against Iowa. Yeah. I mean, anytime you have another explosive option, uh, better, you know, missing Eric all with an undisclosed, Injury too, uh, huge impact. You know, blocking, passing game, check down. You know, you name it. Uh, there, there are plenty of capable tight ends. You know, it's a deep room. Uh, Eric All is, you know, one of the better tight ends in the nation and, and high on draft boards for a reason. Uh, and so, when you're missing two, you know, main components, really, your your starting tight end and you know, your call it a twelfth man, uh, if if you have to come up with a, a something for Donovan Edwards. Uh, yeah, you're limited as an offense, you know. Now, can they do enough to score enough points to win? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but when you have those guys available, you know, your chances are better. And I think especially at Donovan Edwards in this game where, 
you know, you might not be able to uh, create as big holes for a Blake Corum. You know, Blake Corum did bounce outside twice on a couple of plays, uh, but the blocking, you know, was still good to allow him to take it out there uh, and, you know, really not even have to deal with a one-on-one. I think, I think, you know, a lack of Donovan Edwards, you know, not really seeing much of AJ Henning, uh, you know, trying a jet sweep that Ronnie Bell was looking to primarily pass. Uh, again, not to question the play calling, but I think that, you know, the Jim Harbaugh and the co-offensive coordinators have a lot to, to talk through and figure out with, you know, that being the first example of, of, Hey, if the defense, you know, does enough to help us win and the offense does enough to score enough points to, to lead, like, you know, we still were always a possession or two away from blowing a lead. Uh, and that was the exact problem and why Michigan lost to Michigan State uh, last year. You know, that game looked like it would be uh, going Michigan's favor early the way they started. Uh, but, you know, they, they fell apart. Uh, and both the offense and defense were reasons why. And, you know, a guy like J.J. McCarthy dropping the ball a reason why. So uh, Don Rivers helps a lot. Uh, again, I think that Michigan's offense is likely to be able to score, but I don't expect them to score in bunches. Uh, Iowa's defense is really good. They're going to be putting Michigan in a lot of, you know, pinned deep situations, and it's really going to be on the offense to at least, uh, you know, get out of a dangerous territory and try to flip the field. Uh, anytime you face an Iowa, uh, it's probably going to be a battle of the punters. Uh, and so hopefully Michigan punts less than Iowa. Uh, hopefully they score more than Iowa, uh, but it's going to be a unique game. And I think, again, you you face a Maryland offense that I think is at least the way they played against Michigan have been playing all season. Uh, one of the better offenses, most efficient in rhythm offenses in the country this far. Uh, I think Iowa's defense, one of the better defenses in the country. Um, in a game, they lost to Iowa State 10 to 7. You know, they barely beat, what was it, North Dakota State? It was like 7 to 3. Uh, even though yeah. they're not scoring, they're also not allowing an opponent to score. No. Uh, and so that's pretty huge. Uh, and so a good road test against a good defensive unit. I think Michigan does come out on top again. I think uh, it's harder to outscore an opponent that's going to put up 20-some points than it is an opponent that may only put up 7 to 13 to 20 points. Uh, but who knows? You know, Kinnick is Kinnick. Uh, and you, uh, yeah, you stated the obvious that teams don't have a ton of success uh, playing Iowa uh, in that stadium when they're ranked in the top five. I will give, looking defensively here, be, be, really quick before we get into a prediction, um, I, I think Michigan's pass rush improved on Saturday, showed signs of improvement. The problem is you're playing a mobile quarterback, and if you you know, you, like Harbaugh said, you you know, a few times they just got too far past the quarterback, and now all of a sudden he's got all this these open lanes in front of them to run. Spencer Petras is not that kind of quarterback. I expect to see um, some disruption in the backfield. I think that'll be a, like a good development going forward. Same token, though, I think the physicality up front in general, when it, you know, when it comes to stopping the run, I mean, we saw them struggle big time against Maryland. And I think we're just kind of fortunate actually that Maryland uh, apparently didn't feel like sticking with, with that power run game because it was working. Um, If I see Iowa run the ball with success up the middle between the tackles, that's going to be cause for concern for me. But like we've been saying, I I don't think there's anything really significant here to worry about with Iowa's offense. And, and I do think 
you you see Michigan's defense in the backfield and and finding success more often than they did against Maryland because you know they were getting into the backfield um, more it, it looked more consistent but it just you know the results weren't there so I think you can find that uh, you can find the results against Iowa so for a prediction here Derek first would you like to know how far off we were last week I um uh, I was close for a while. I'm sure because it was 34 um 19 or something like that. And so was, they scored late, so that really ruined mine, but I was I was a few points off both were. both yeah. scores and then they, you know, Michigan gave up a touchdown to a backup quarterback. So I was not only angry at the result of that, uh but yeah, it helped me uh or hurt my uh, score prediction. I said 48-14, but man, you yeah, you were close and, and basically right there, 37-17. So definitely, I mean, that week goes to you without a doubt. What do you got for me uh, this week against Iowa? I'll start with uh, a little bit of a fact, I guess. Okay. Uh, Michigan hasn't won uh, on the road in Iowa since 2005. Not surprised. Uh, and uh, yeah, that means they have lost every time since then. Uh, four matchups in total, and, and one really notable one where a top-ranked team lost on a field goal. Uh, but I think Michigan wins uh, at Iowa for the first time since 2005, and I'm going to go with 27-13. to 27-13, huh? I got. I'm riding with history. I'm riding with the history you just cited. I'm riding with the history I cited about Iowa's last six home games against top t- uh, top five opponents. One of those was against Michigan, as we all remember, 2016. I'm taking Iowa, 17-14. I hate it, but this is, this is where good teams go to die in Kinnick Stadium. I think that's what Jim Harbaugh was saying this week, and I think he's right. And I don't think – I think Michigan's got a few things to figure out still. I think all the pieces are there, and I don't think it'll be like a catastrophic loss. I don't think it'll be an indictment on where the team is heading this season, but I'm worried about the turnovers, as I said. And if if you're not able to take care of the ball, or you're not able to move the ball, you're not able to flip the field, if you're making mistakes, all of a sudden that margin for error defensively against an offense that's been pretty bad shrinks. And I'm not confident Michigan can can close that gap and, and take care of it on the road. So 17-14 Iowa, how do you feel? I feel like that sounds like a horrible game to be watching while I'm it does. in Switzerland. I mean, I'm I'm prepared for it to be awful. I'm prepared. Yeah, that's one of those where it's like, do I need to spend time watching this game when I'm out of the country? Because this is not <laughs> going swimmingly at all. My, my final thought, and I guess my key to the game, okay. uh, J.J. McCarthy hits on two uh, downfield passes instead of one. Uh, write this down. I think that I think that that really gives flips the script and, and allows Michigan to to pull away. Okay. Uh, I don't know that Iowa's defense is as fast as Michigan's offense or even close. Uh, so if a quarterback can make you know one more play or two, uh, make one or two less mistakes, uh, I think that's how Michigan wins this game. So I guess my challenge to to a young quarterback. First start on the road is, yeah, maybe dial that arm back to 100%. Uh, hit on a couple of those uh, D 
deep balls like you know he's shown so many times uh, because a guy like Roman Wilson uh, is likely to be open downfield alone at some point in any game against any team, maybe not Ohio State or Georgia or in Alabama. But yeah, not a whole lot of guys in the country that can guard him. Uh, that was mentioned in the post game when they hit on that uh, late touchdown. So yeah. Key to the game, uh, find the flying Hawaiian because not many people can keep up with them. Find the flying Hawaiian. We'll leave you with that. Uh, Derek is, what do you want to call it? Vacation hiatus? Yeah, I'll be uh, sabbatical. Taking a little bit of a sabbatical, but that sabbatical includes uh, Michigan football, at least Iowa. I will probably be on a flight back to the States during Michigan, Indiana. Uh, you will be there, so I'm not going to be able to yeah. rely on you for the live game text. Uh, probably going to pay for some Wi-Fi. Don't think a streaming service will work on the plane, but hey, that's why you Give got Twitter, show. right? Yeah, I mm-hmm. think Twitter does enough to let you follow along without uh, as many of the visuals as you'd hope for. Yeah. Um, so I will most likely be back next week. We'll do a little solo episode. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Which I've done a couple times, and I feel so awkward doing it, but whatever. I might have to tune in from the mountains, Swiss Alps. <laughs> Don't waste your time there listening to me. I couldn't, no. Please don't do that. Okay, I'll, I'll wait till I'm back. There'd be so much pressure to make that great. No. Hey, make sure you make a prediction, though. Make sure you state no, a prediction. Uh, I will. I will hold you accountable. I will listen, and I will know how close you were. Yeah, I'll make a prediction. And I swear to you if unless things go bad this weekend if i hear an indiana prediction for a win i i'm joining a new podcast i don't think i'm doing that (laughs) regardless of what happens against iowa i don't think i'm going to predict an indiana win okay thank you i think you did uh in the pen uh in 2021 you were so high on indiana heading into 2021 and i think they won two games that was preseason that was but imagine having that that out of a take before you watch Monday Night Football by chance last night? No. All right. I don't know who the player was. Sorry to Iowa fans. Sorry to... Uh, Peyton shot. Is that who it was? Tight end? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He made a play uh, in the comment from either Joe Buck or the counterpart. I always forget that Joe Buck's not on Monday Night Football ESPN. Was something for Indiana football fans to be excited about. Uh, and then the response was... <laughs> Uh, that's not super hard to do, essentially. Uh, and I really, truly felt bad for all Indiana fans in that specific moment. I was I gotta like, tell you wow. a little story about that. I was I saw the clip on Twitter, and whoever tweeted it just said, "Ooh, that hurts." And you know, the play is him hurtling. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I so I'm not listening because it just like auto plays on Twitter as I'm scrolling. And I'm I'm waiting for somebody to get hurt because the caption is "Ooh, that hurts." And I'm like, "Did did he get did he get hit in a sensitive area by the helmet when he hurt him?" Mm-hmm. And I swear, I I watched it over and over, and I'm looking at Peyton Hendershot, and I'm like, "He doesn't look hurt." And then it was much later when I finally learned what happened. Felt like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the exact. I just you know it's kind of. I'm a I'm a Monday night football in the background unless it's a you know late good game or you know yeah. something fantasy related is on the line. So more yeah. so uh you know it's in the background and I just hear a dig 
uh, against Indiana football. And it's like, oh my Ooh, goodness, the poor four Indiana football fans are yeah. watching Monday Night Football oh, tonight. Yeah. And there's only about um, 12 of them total. So, you know, you can assume that a true. third of them tuned in to watch one of their favorite players <laughs> of all time. God dang. Okay. Yeah. I'll come back with a similar energy next week. We'll just like punk Indiana for a half hour. Then I'll make a prediction. Sound good. Love it. All right. I'll see you next week. Take care out there and go blue. Go blue.